Did you say deaf? <laughs> Romans chapter number 12. I won't be here next week. I'll be in Nevada, or Nevada, as my dad called it in his Boston accent. He was from Boston, talked real fast. My mom was from the South, talked real slow. My brother and sister and I were just totally confused as children. We didn't have any idea how to speak. My sister now, she talks fast, but she has that gang. He worked with gangs so much. She has this gang thing now. She uses a lot of gang words. Like, you don't say all right. You say aight. Yeah. She does that all the time, talking on the phone. Aight, aight. Boys were in gangs. I don't know. I, then my daughter, Carrie, talks with different accents. She talks, and she traveled back and forth to college. For college, she traveled with an Australian accent. Oh, yeah. Really good. Yeah. She, people treat you better with it and you have an accent. <laughs> they don't question what you do. You should have Now she's got to conceal carry for him. Anyways, she can do it. <clears throat> Anyways, Romans chapter number 12. Yeah, yeah, boy. Yeah, boy. Yeah, she can do almost any accent. German. She was born in uh, Germany, so she does German, does Australian, Southern, Swedish, whatever you want. You can dial it up and do it. I didn't get those brain cells. I don't know where she got them from. They didn't come through me. I, I didn't get those brain cells. I think it skips a generation, maybe. I'm not sure how that works. It must be. Yeah. Sally's got something to say about that. Yeah. Internet accent. Okay, Romans chapter 12, 18. Let's have a word of prayer. We thank you, Father, for today, Lord. Thank you, Father, for the time we can meet together, Father, and study your word. Pray, Lord Jesus, you bless the lesson, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're just about finished with chapter number 12. Verse 18, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Easier said than done, huh? Amen. Yeah. Peace with some people in some circumstances is difficult without the spiritual person, mm -hmm. if there's one in there, making all the sacrifices. Spiritual guys got to make all those sacrifices. They got to give up. You know, they got to give in to some things. Not do bad things, but just bad things happening around them, bad language. They got to give in sometimes. You can put your foot down like, I didn't do what Kathleen does. Boy, try that at work. I would have been fired. You know, I could tell them to, you know, when they come in here and talk about. Yeah, exactly. You know, transmission blowers. I don't think God did that. <laughs> I think it just blew up on its own. I don't think God had to do that. Yeah. Anyways, had to deal with all that stuff there. So, James three seventeen. But the wisdom that is from that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. 
Get along with people, he says here in, in verse number 18. Right. As much as possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Amen. I was going to add more to that, but I'm going to wait until chapter 14. I can just let it cut loose in 14 because they're talking about that kind of stuff anyways. So, back in the Gospels, Jesus taught us in Matthew 5.40, And if any man will sue thee at law and take away thy coat, do what? Let him have thy cloak too. Give me your, your coat. 541, And whosoever shall compare thee to go a mile, go with him twain. In the NIV it says as long as you're driving. Um, go with him twain. Go more than what they say. Show them. Luke 621, 629. What about this language again? I can't get mine in gear. We talk so fast, my family, that we talk fast, but then our brain's a little bit slower on the mom's side, like mine, and we out-talk ourselves. And then we got to catch up to what we're thinking here. So that happens to me a lot. Luke 6, 29, 9, And unto him that smiteth thee on one cheek, also offer the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take away thy coat also. So we're supposed to not get walked on by the world, but we're supposed to... To live peaceably, take what it takes, do what it takes to live peaceably. That's hard to do sometimes, especially if you're working in the world. You can do as much as you can, but, you know, there comes a time when it starts to really encroach on your beliefs, and you've got to really stand up for it. Amen. And you've got to do that. Verse number 19, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Vengeance is not a Christian virtue Amen. or privilege. That's right. We can't do that. Why? God has forbidden it here. Avenge not yourselves. Amen. Who's going to avenge for us? God. Do we need to help them? No. No. It's hard not to, isn't it? Oh, yeah? Well, I'll show you. You ever think that way? Yes. I'll pray for you. Anyways, I, I think that way. So I, my first instinct is the oh, yeah? You're like a brick through your window. I never do that, though, but I think about it. It's bad. We're not supposed to do that. Punishment of evildoers is a prerogative of God. God has that, that privilege to do that. And we can't just assume that. We can't just say, well, I'm going to get even with this guy because he offended me or he hurt me. It's contrary to God's word of overcoming evil with good. Amen. That's what we're supposed to do. Uh, look at Hebrews chapter 10. <clears throat> Paul put this thought down. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 30 For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. That verse is for the spiritual person. Amen. Look at verse 31. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That's for the other guy. That's for the bad guy. 
God's going to deal with them. Verse 20. Therefore, if thy enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in doing so, thou shalt keep coals of fire on his head. I told you last week about the young wife that wanted to know where to buy those. What store has those? Hagen, Safeway, hot coals. I want to dump them on my husband's head. Yeah. Yeah. How do you keep them warm getting home? Got to bring one of those insulated bags because I'm in there, honey. That's not what that means, is it? This is kind of perplexing here. Paul suggests that the enemy will burn with shame for his abuse of someone that loves him. It takes a long time sometimes. Someone's an abusive person, but you keep loving them. And after a while, pray for them. God's going to turn them around. I've seen it work. I see some guys with some serious burns on their head, too. I've seen some guys that are you know, really bad. Got burns on their head and their face. What happened to you? <laughs> Scripture happened to me, brother. <laughs> Not coals of fire on my head. So, so throughout this chapter, Paul consistently is talking about the strategy of overcoming evil with good. Amen. This is the same strategy used by God. Back in Proverbs 25, verses 21 through 22, same, same scripture. If thine enemy be hunger, give him bread to eat. If he be thirsty, give him water to drink. For thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall reward thee. So the motive for heaping hot coals of fire on their head is not to, uh, to make them more, to, to, to punish them or to aggravate them. The true purpose of that is for us. The motive is discipline of the Christian's own spirit. Amen. It's for our self-control. If you're trying to do good to someone that treats you bad, <clears throat> that may be working on them. Who else is it working on? It's working on you. Your spirit of self-control. I can't hurt this person. I can't get even with this person. I gotta love this person. I gotta treat them better than I would like to, than I should. But it's for my self-control. That's what God said. It's for our self-control. So we can't subdue our enemy physically or whatever, but we can pray for him and God'll deal with him. We always wait for that, don't we? When's God gonna deal with this guy? We don't we may never see it. We may never see it. They may get saved and live a happy Christian life someday. We'll never see it. You know, we just, it's, it isn't our responsibility, is it? Amen. I like to make it that way sometimes. I've had that, you know, I've had things happen to me at work or whatever. I, boy, they treat me bad and all of a sudden they want a vacation day for something. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what the vacation book says. Oh, there's no slots left. <laughs> of course, then you take a sick day and go anyways. But anyways... So you can't do anything. But it's for your self-control. Get over it. That's what you got to do. Verse 21, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Extend kindness to your enemies. They are expecting, the bully is expecting someone to either wilt or fight back. I don't wilt or fight back. I just, I'm going to pray for you, brother. You got something in your life needs to 
needs God needs to work on. Don't say they don't like people saying we're going to pray for you. They don't like that because they don't know what's going to happen to them. Sometimes they get a little bit worried. Is God going to zap me at some time? You just don't know. But it, pray for them. Say that to them. So I'm going to pray for you. I'm not afraid of you. I'm not going to hurt you back. I'm going to pray for you. Amen. Let God deal with you. Yeah. That's all you got to do. Your conscience is clear. Theirs is a little bit muddled because they don't know what's going to happen. But you're not backing down and you're not beating them up. Right. Especially if they're bigger than you. <laughs> you say, I'm going to pray for you, and then you run. <laughs> you know? But, or you run. As you're running, I'm going to pray for you. You better hurry. Um, you know, we should not retaliate. If we retaliate and do what they did, then what's the difference? We're the same as they are. We lose our testimony. Is God interested in you getting even or getting retribution? Or is he interested more about your testimony? Testimony. Keep your testimony. Once you lose it, hard. Ever lose your testimony? I have. Hard. Long time. Get it back. First time, one time you slip up, boy. Boy, I thought you were a Christian or a religious guy or something, whatever they call us. Yeah, I am. That's some righteous indignation there. It doesn't work. So God's more interested in our self-control and keeping our testimony pure and intact than he is us getting retribution. That's for God to deal with. There's got to be a difference between a Christian and a lost person. Or people are going to say, what, what's the deal here? they got to see a difference. Return good for evil. That takes composure and it takes compassion. You know, I'm not going to attack this guy. I'm going to pray for him because he needs prayer. He's not saved. Obviously, or he need, maybe he is saved, he needs prayer anyways in his, in his life. Christians are not immune from hurting other people. How many of you have ever been hurt by a Christian? Raise your hands, a few of you. Those of you who haven't, stand by and I'll see if I can help you out with that, give you <laughs> some experience with that so nobody's left out. No, it's, it's, it's God's strategy, overcome evil with good. That's why we're here. We didn't get saved and rapture, did we? He left us here to propagate the gospel and help people. The natural man finds, and, and he's operating in a world that uh, one bad apple can spoil the whole barrel. Our motive should be one good Christian apple can As I said before, I wish we could have taught this under Trump. Because I'm studying this, and I'm smiling on the outside, but I'm frowning on the inside just because of what's going on. But I'll, I'll deal with myself on that. The great need for Paul's revelation on the proper Christian attitude towards secular government is derived from a number of important considerations. Number one, the whole Jewish nation back in Paul's day groaned under Roman tyranny. They longed to escape it. They were oppressed. And some Jews had participated in a number 
of bloody insurrections against the Romans. They failed, but they, they tried. They didn't like being under Roman rule. In fact, Barabbas, who came into view when Jesus was being crucified, was a revolutionary, and many others preceded him. <clears throat> Furthermore, at the moment Paul was writing Romans, practically the entire Jewish nation was preparing for their final insurrection. Who knows when that was? AD 70. Final insurrection against Rome. And it was final because they got beat. Bad. They were working on that during Paul's day. And many Christians sympathized with their Jewish brethren. They were oppressed. I mean, they were oppressed too, but they, they sympathized with the Jews. They may have lived under that Roman rule for a while, and they sympathized and were strongly tempted to help the Jewish cause, but they couldn't because of chapter 13, uh, 12 there, the last part of chapter 12. They couldn't do that. They couldn't participate in that. Paul himself, uh, turn over to Acts chapter 21. Paul himself, Acts 21, was mistaken for a uh, leader of an insurrection. Acts 21, verse number 38. This is when Paul is seized. He's bound up here, but verse 38 says, Art not thou that Egyptian which before these days made us an uproar and led us out into the wilderness 4,000 men that were murderers? They confused Paul with one of these guys because there was a big tumult there when he was talking to them about going to the Gentiles and they, they were going to kill him. And they came in and rescued Paul and said, Aren't you that Egyptian? Nope, not me. Let me see your COVID vaccine card. And he had to, had, to check, had to check that, and he said, okay, you're good to go. You know, so uh, they confused him with that. So it was important that Christian behavior should not conform or should conform to a strict pattern and respect and submission to a lawful government. Otherwise, Christians might have been swallowed up in this whole insurrection in AD 70 and just been decimated or something. So it's very, very important. There were certain, certain Christian practices that were easily uh, that would easily lead Romans to think they despised the state. Uh, <clears throat> number one, they worshipped a different king, didn't they? Sure did. They didn't participate in these public festivals that deified the emperor. Uh, they didn't uh, do things around folks that were doing bad things. They kept away from that. In all legal disputes, Christians were encouraged to bypass uh, secular courts of justices and settle as far as possible all things among themselves. That was true for church-related things, but it's not true for legal things. The biggest thing I've seen growing up as a Christian in 46 years is people hide Guess what they hide? Child molesters. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's right. They hide them. They move them along. Catholic Church does that too. That's right. But something will happen and they'll move them along or put them somewhere else, but they won't deal with them as a criminal. That's illegal. Amen. And they should be punished by the law. That's right. But too many churches back in the day, 
Let's move you along somewhere else or put you in a different place where you didn't have to interact with kids or people or whatever. It was wrong to do that. So they got stuck on this verse here. We can't go to law with him. Sure you can. If it's not a church matter, <coughs> and there are church matters that we take care of ourselves. Amen. I've got a few of them to do, this, to do this morning, as a matter of fact. I've been checking some of these people out. I've got some things to say. i got on a list right back here. No, church discipline. I've seen that work before. Yes. You're brought before the church and you're just beat up. No, they bring you up here and you apologize for what you did. You admit what you did and you, you apologize for it. It's hard. Some folks leave the church after that. Some folks stay and they grow. But it's church discipline sometimes. You've got to deal with that. But you can't put things that are illegal under the rug. So spiritual matters in the church, legal matters, you break someone's law, you've got to face the court for that. Even beyond all of this was the evil nature of the Roman government itself. You can flash back 2,000 years and make draw your own uh, parallels. But we're getting, our government's getting to be where it's a little bit insecure. You may have noticed that. Five years under Nero, things were starting to kind of calm down. But there was this universal hatred of Rome by the Jews because of their institutions that they had, their laws, uh, all these things. A lot of Jews were suspected of being enemies just because they went about their daily Jewish life. To the Christian, Rome was a very scary place, which would be proved by the murders and depravities that will occur soon after in AD 70. In this background... What's going on in Rome? Everybody's edgy. Everybody's under pressure, oppression. Paul writes this letter. He expresses his admonition. He warns them in a manner that no one could mistake his intentions. He's very clear. The beseeching attitude of chapter 12 is gone. Now it's thus says the apostle. He was serious about it. He demanded it. He had the authority to command it. This is law. Peter did the same thing. We'll check that out here in a bit. But there was no mistake about it. It was an order Amen. from the apostle. We have to obey. We have to abide. The state itself, any state, is a divine institution. Amen. Existing by God's permission and authority. Every single one of them. And it's absolutely necessary for the continuity of the people on earth. You know what happened back in a lawless society? Read before, read chapter, uh, chapter 5 of Genesis and chapter 6. God dealt with that. Everybody did what was, in their own, was right in their own mind. Everybody did everything they wanted to do. It was terrible. God put human government in charge. He didn't pick the people necessarily. But the authority to have a government, he ordained. So it's the duty of every Christian to submit to the government, the law, except when doing so would break the commandments of God. You can't go to church. 
We did it for a while, long enough, and then President Trump said that we're essential. Church was essential. Amen. No one else thought it was, but he said, hey, no more honking a horn for amen. Let's go inside. Amen, brother. You know? So this doesn't mean that every leader of every corrupt country is picked by God. I think some of them are to be used. But the implementation of a state's authority, I don't mean our state, but any, any government state, is ordained of God and the existence of such is by his authority. He wants the government there to help lead people. Otherwise, it'd be total chaos. Jesus never led a riot, never organized an underground. He never criticized the government or participated with the Jews against Rome. Jesus never did that. All of the apostles understood this and repeated the teachings of Jesus about a Christian's relationship to the government. Both Paul, look at Peter, 1 Peter chapter number 2. 1 Peter chapter number 2. Chapter 2, verse 13 through 17. Peter chapter 2, 13. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be the king or as supreme, or unto governors as unto them that are sent, off, sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of the foolish men, as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. That isn't a capital K king. That's a little K king. Okay? That's your secular, that's your, that's your worldly kings. Okay? Not the king, Jesus but our local kings. So we have to obey these laws. Not just what we think are just laws, as long as it doesn't break scripture, we have to obey it. And we talk, I talk in politics, I complain about everything because I'm a complainer, but um, I wasn't used to be that way. But anyways, since January, I've been a complainer, and um, <laughs> um, it, um, you know, that's, it's not bad to complain and talk about, you know, we're, we're not breaking the law. That's right. I'm still maintaining the speed. I'm still doing what I got to do to obey the law. I don't want to go to court. I don't want to be accused of anything. That's right. Okay? Except standing up for Jesus. Amen. And that's not wrong. Okay? So, <clears throat> Jesus never offered himself as a community organizer. Or an advocate against society on behalf of some so-called victim. He never did that. So he's our example. I think I've missed verse number one. So, verse number one. Let every soul be subject to the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. And the powers that be are ordained of God. So we have to look at our local governments. And they're there, they're put there, they're ordained by God. Under his authority, they're there. 
He didn't necessarily pick the people. Why would he have some of them? But if they're bad or they're wrong, God knows about it, and it's part of God's plan. Everything's racing towards God's plan. Amen. And things that are happening around the world are for God's <clears throat> plan. It's going to happen. We can watch it go by and see what's going on, but we've got to obey the law. And it's getting hard sometimes because we worry about our freedoms. God knows that. So it's our duty to submit. Verse number two. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, does what? Resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive unto themselves damnation. They're not going to go to hell. That damnation is judgment by the court, by the magistrate. That's what he's talking about here. Jesus never disobeyed a law. Amen. He was never an advocate of disobedience. <clears throat> God says give to Caesar. Yeah. He paid his taxes. He gave custom to whom custom was due. He did all those things. He obeyed the law. The judgment, as verse, talks about punishment of violators, violators of state laws. If you break the law, you're going to have to pay for it. That's the judgment. Anybody ever broken the law and had to pay for it? My hand's up. Yes. I spent a day in jail in Jackson County, Missouri, because I was driving a truck. It wasn't safe. I was in truck, truck driving school, <laughs> 1977. Got pulled over by the Jackson County Sheriff. Smoked a bear hat, big belly, sunglasses. You in a whole heap of trouble kind of guy? Yeah. Took me down to the DOT inspection thing on the freeway. My truck failed. It was terrible. It was unsafe. That's what I had us driving. I spent a day in jail today. They came and bailed me out. <laughs> then I left. But um, they're still looking for me. No. <laughs> No, they didn't. They didn't get along with my. They didn't get along with my school in Kansas City. They didn't, they didn't get along with them very well, probably because they were mafia or something. I don't know what they were, but they didn't like my school that I was in. So, anyways, we couldn't drive in our county anymore. Anytime I've driven through Missouri, I never went through Jackson County. I'm still avoiding it because I have this fear inside of me that looks like him there. Probably have my cell phone. Watch it pinging across, and I get to Missouri, it goes, I go, mm, 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 you know, don't drive through Jackson County. They don't forget that kind of stuff back there. Right there. Yeah. That's my, that's my legal career, my, my checkered past. Yeah. That's terrible. So I've been there. I know how they feel. Locked up with my partner. Man. Waiting for him to come bail me out. President of college came out there. President, he's an old truck truck driver. Had this college, this, this school we had, you know. And he came over and paid a fine. Had to rescue our trucks. And this guy says, "Don't ever drive that junk in this county again." Yeah, they were junky trucks. But anyway, that's what they had. That's what we drove. 
Verse number three, for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil, to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt receive praise of the same. This comment is upon the purpose of the state as God's ordained institution. It's a, there's a purpose there. Keep Amen. law and order. If there's law and order, we can function as Christians better, can't we? Amen. Yes, we can. If everybody's doing their own thing. It's a little scary out there. There are evil men, and there are some today, where the exercise of our Christian faith is under attack, happening today. Right here in downtown Bellingham, it's happening today. Amen. We're not uh, being oppressed now, but they can walk in the door any minute now and say, you got to put a mask on or close your church. Because they've done to other churches, haven't they? They've arrested the pastors in other places. They could do it. God's kept them away. Amen. Back in the old days, not too long ago, we had this Marxist philosophy come into the world back in Germany. And it's spread over here now. That's what the kids are trying to learn in school now, this Marxist theology right. or philosophy. Marxism's wrong. It's evil. We've got to fight that. <clears throat> Verse 4, for he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. I'm <clears throat> talking about your local police. Who else carries a sword or a weapon? My daughter. But anyways, the police are there to maintain law and order. And if we break it, then verse 4 says, be afraid. Amen. We've got to endure that punishment. We're not exempt. Oh, I'm a Christian. <laughs> and I know I'm speeding. But can I get under five miles an hour over just because I'm a Christian? No. <laughs> you know, no way. I wish they would, but they, they probably don't. So we have to obey the law. We have to obey the police. We have to respect the police. I respect the police. Amen. I know this yes. church does too. Respect the police. Yes. <clears throat> Even the government doesn't respect the police like it should. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's, that's bad. The police officer. Legally constituted arm of human government to enforce laws. That's right. We respect them. We appreciate them. Verse 5, Wherefore ye must needs be subject... Not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. We're subject to the laws. City, county, state, fed, everything. Municipal, area, neighbor. All these laws, we're subject to them. Sometimes they're a little bit onerous. But there are two reasons why Christians should observe laws. Number one, it says here in verse 5, not only for wrath, but for conscience sake. If you break the law, who's going to beat you up? You are. Your conscience. Holy Spirit will say, oh, that was bad. Amen. Was, I'm going to call the cops on you. Amen. Imagine calling the police on yourself. I did this. Yeah, man. Conscience sake. You feel so bad, I'm going to turn myself in. You know? Conscience sake. We 
broke the law, we know he broke the law. Second, for wrath. And that means the punishment of breaking the law. The primary consideration is that of pleasing God. As Peter said, submit yourself to every coordinates of man for the Lord's sake. Do it for God's sake. Amen. Please God. I said earlier, we've got to guard our testimony. Christians don't break the law. And get caught. <clears throat> Christians don't break the law. <laughs> we don't break the law. We don't worry about it because we don't break it. If you're a few miles an hour over, I do that too. <clears throat> For a good reason. Because when they go 70, everybody just gets jammed up. So I do 72. Not enough to draw any attention, but enough to get by folks. And then other folks do more than that and get by me. It doesn't bother me. And I pass up trucks a lot. I used to drive a truck. I know. Up a hill. You can walk faster sometimes. You know? <laughs> so. Yeah. so, verse 6 says, For this cause, because we're under this law, because we're under these municipalities, for this cause we pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Amen. Tribute. We can give them honor, respect, and they also have taxing authority. That's right. They can tax us. So they can spend that enough on the police and spend stuff on everything else. That's right. Taxing authority. we got to pay tribute money, our taxes. Local, state, federal, whatever it is, got to pay taxes to support the folks that are trying their very best to do their job. I won't say any more about that because I see it differently sometimes. So the whole establishment of human government is, is to be honored, respected, and obeyed because God said so. Back in 1 Peter chapter number 2. During Paul's age, believe it or not, they had corruption, right. wickedness, <laughs> terror, Absolute wickedness in human government under the control of men, like Nero. Back in Paul's day. I'm glad that's all over now. No. Man is still man, isn't he? That's right. Man is still man. Man abuses his power all the time. Go to Michigan. Um, the conclusion must be realized that if one considers all this, along with the Christian's total refusal to engage in any actions of opposition or subversion against the government, it must be further understood that a Christian's refusal to obstruct or oppose such a regime is due to reasons of doctrine and conscience. I don't like things that happen in Washington State or even in, in uh, Bellingham. But for conscience' sake, unless it goes against Scripture, or they oppress me personally, i got to obey it. That's right. When they have Pride Day, or the naked bicycle ride day. I'm cloistered in my house. I'm laying in the bathtub with a blanket on me. I don't want to be anywhere near that stuff. It's wickedness. I don't want to be around that. Amen. I don't drive down to see that. Amen. No. So the conclusion is inevitable. We must receive as binding that it's a sin for a Christian to engage in any attempt to overthrow the government other than by what? Voting. 
And when they count that vote right, we can maybe get people out of power. Maybe. But not through violence. I'm going to stop here because other verses got a lot of notes to it. I'll stop right here at verse number 8. Oh, no man, anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Talk about that. Well, I won't talk about it next week. I'll be in Nevada, as my dad says. I'll be in Nevada visiting my mom. She's 92 now, or next week or so. So, yep. So that's where we'll be. So we'll see you week after next. Say a word of prayer. Thank you, Father, for the lesson, Lord, today. Father, pray, Lord, your best that services will follow. Pray, God, to give pastor the power to preach. Pray, Lord, you bring visitors today, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.